You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Okay. Romans. We started Romans last week. We went 19 to 30. That was a, that was a big chunk. We're looking at it in the Passion Translation. So if, if you haven't been in the vineyard very long and you still bring your Bible to church, bless you. But today we'll have, uh, we'll have the Passion Translation that you probably aren't carrying uh, on the screen so that you can follow. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. So what does all this mean? Good question. Glad you asked that. What, what's all this mean? What does all this mean? You've got to look at the first eight chapters. It goes all the way back to the beginning. When you look at Romans, chapter 8 is, is the climax that Paul is, is bringing the seal of this phase of his letter. A lot of times in, in theology class, we'll call this the doctrinal section. And then he gives the practical exhortations. But here we see coming to a climax, what does this mean? What does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son, and since God freely offered him up as, a as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in, his, in love to be his? <clears throat> God himself is the judge who has issued the final verdict over them. Not guilty. That's, that's the final verdict over your life. Okay? Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us, and even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. <clears throat> so how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Tell your neighbor, Jesus is continually praying for your triumph. <clears throat> Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one! Exclamation point. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, death, death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Wow. <clears throat> Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God, we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. 
So now I live in the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this fresh translation of such a precious passage to every believer's heart. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to take the living word and make it active. Let it create, let it transform, let it deliver, let it bring the fullness of, with which it speaks of. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's all this mean? <clears throat> if God has determined to stand with us, who's against us? I don't know about you, but when we were kids and we were picking up sides for a little play game, basketball, whatever, and you could choose well, let's make it more applicable to today. I was coaching my son's little guy. If we could choose David, we knew we were going to win. If God has been chosen and he's chosen us and he's standing with us, he's on our side, are you going to have any anxiety, any fear? about whoever you play in the first round. It can be a one versus a 16. Who cares? We, we know that that can happen. David and Goliath? Nah, that wasn't a fair fight. David had him the whole time. <clears throat> when God has determined to stand with us, who can stand against us? When God stands with us, he has proven and demonstrated his love. He's given us his greatest treasure, his son. Mm. And it's like, if he gives us his son, is he not going to give us anything else? I mean, if, if, if our greatest need is a savior and he's given us a savior, do you think he's going to say, well, that's enough? That's all you get? No. When you have Jesus, you have everything you need. But he's showing, Paul's showing the logic especially for those of us that have a picture of a father in heaven who wants to give out in increments because he's not generous. He's going to give us just what we need so that we can get down the road the next step. And here he says, he's given us his son. He's not going to withhold anything from us. There's nothing that the father will withhold from us. He's given us his most sacred treasure. Why is it that the enemy deceives us into thinking that he's stingy? That he's, that he's going to be stingy-hearted toward us? Yeah, crazy, isn't it? So who can stand against us? <laughs> who dare accuse us? Well, the evil one loves to accuse the brethren. The problem is we, 
we, we give him too much access. We come in agreement with what he accuses us of. It's like, especially when he whacks us after we did something we know we shouldn't have done. And he, and he starts accusing us. And it's like, and you call yourself a Christian? You love Jesus? Really? Do you think someone that loved Jesus would do what you just did? I don't think so. But then we got to realize, huh, am I going to agree with the accuser? If Jesus says that the one who accuses us has no right to stand, who, who would dare accuse us? Who is the only one that would have the right to accuse us? Come on, you can't go to sleep this early in the message. Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one. And so Paul said, he realizes that. Who would accuse you? The anointed one? Would Jesus accuse you? And so he gets in. No. He won't condemn us. He won't accuse us. You know, God is the judge and he's already declared us not guilty. So we get the heart of the Father. Father's already judged, not guilty, based on what his son's done for us. Not guilty. Well, how about Jesus? Will he condemn us? No. He gave his life for us. He conquered death for us. He rose on the third day for us. He's exalted to the highest place. <laughs> He's enthroned. And then he intercedes for us. He prays for us continually to triumph. He wants us to have victory. Do you realize that <clears throat> when you're feeling bad about yourself because you did it again, and after you promised God for 332,000 times that you wouldn't do it and you did it again, stop praying that prayer. Just forget the prayers that say, God, I, I'll never do this again. Would, would you just dismiss that? Because the focus is then on you and your performance. You need to have your focus, especially for anything that has got you captive, anything that has got you defeated, anything that has got a, a sense of restraint and containment on you, you need to focus on the one who has already defeated it, and that's Jesus. He's the one that has already made the way where there was no way. He has already paid for it, and he is the one that is absolutely Lord over it. And so when it tries to squeak out something, don't let it squeak. Just put it in its place. Because he prays for our triumph continually. Do you realize, I, I don't know, some might identify with this, that there's, there's times when you're a little bit more susceptible to temptation. You're a little more susceptible to making a bad choice. You're a little more susceptible to saying something that you shouldn't say. And you kind of know when you're kind of moving in that arena. Yeah. There's never a moment that he's not interceding for you to triumph, for you to be victorious. Never a moment. The enemy tries to make it say, oh, you're fine on Sunday from 10 to 12. That's fine. All, all, all temptation, all harassment ceases. Well, a lot of that happens because you come into a place that's been set apart and has been saturated with his presence all week long. We had a service in here last night. RB brings the presence. The Lord shows up on Wednesday mornings. 
we're in here praying. The dance team's worshiping the Lord with dance through the week. They're over here doing... This place constantly gets saturated. So it's no kudos for you that you come in and, and you, you're not tempted. Guess what? This is the presence of the Lord. This is... It's not hard. That's the way it's supposed to be every day in our heart. You know, we do that at this locale, but as we've already heard this morning, we have the living one reigning and ruling inside of us. And he's, he's praying for us all the time. I know there's times in my life that I just think, oh gosh, sun's going down. I don't know. Some of the <clears throat> great holiness, you know, basically said you should go to bed as soon as the sun goes down because, you know, you're on the devil's time when darkness reigns and, you know, nothing good happens after midnight, you know, and you, this is the... Well, you know, there's times when, when I find that I've got to really pay attention to the time of the day. Certain things have more traction than others. And it's like, oh... But if we get in our heart that he is continually praying for us to triumph, then it doesn't matter what time of the 24-hour clock, what day of the seven-day week, where we are in the month, he is praying for us. Keep our eyes fixed on him, Jesus. <clears throat> so he says he, he, he prays continually for us to triumph. So he's not going to condemn us. There's no one who can accuse us. God is standing for us. He's already proven and demonstrated his love to us. So who can separate us? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. I love the Passion Translation. It makes it so easy. It doesn't say people whose last names begin with Q. You know? Absolutely no one, no one can separate us from the love of God's anointed one. Nothing in the universe has the power not only to separate, but to even diminish his love. Oh, we're, we're, we're a culture that loves to measure everything. We, we measure everything. We, you know, if you go to the hospital, they've got to measure your pain. Okay, on a scale of zero to 10, what levels your pain? You know, and, and so we hope we can get the pain and, and we try to get it diminished. You know, we can go from a 10 to an eight. I heard a comedian, he was hysterical. Uh, clean, clean comedian too. Yeah, Brian Reagan. And he, he has a whole thing on, on, on this. Here's rabbit trail. Gosh, Rick, you're not supposed to do those anymore. He does the whole thing and he says, you know, what's your pain? He finds out if you say eight, they'll give you morphine. So he's telling everybody who's come in, when they ask you what your pain is, say eight, say eight, you know, so, so you can get the morphine. And it's like, we love to measure everything. Nothing can diminish the love of God. Nothing in the whole universe has the power to separate or to diminish the love of God. Well, then why don't I feel loved all the time? Glad you asked. Well, look at that. Nothing has the power to diminish his love toward us. So here's the list. You guys probably have never had one through seven ever in your life. 
troubles, pressures, problems, persecutions, deprivations, dangers, death threats. Nothing's able to come between us and heaven's love, the love of the Father. Nothing can come between us. Yet we experience most of these, don't we? Do you realize that your circumstances cannot separate you from the love of God? It doesn't diminish it at all, one iota. Our awareness of his love is what seems to be the very focus of the evil one. He targets us, he pursues us, he tricks us, he lies to us. He gets us to do his work for him. And then he brings on the condemnation and the shame and he does all of that because what's he want to do? He knows that there's not anything in all the universe that can separate us from his love. He knows the only way he can get us to have this affect our behavior if our awareness of his love has somehow been hindered. And so he tries to get us to believe lies about God. He tries to get us to believe lies about ourselves. He tries to get us to believe lies about others. He's constantly trying some way to come in <coughs> because intrinsically he knows he is absolutely powerless when it comes to the love of God and human beings. He's absolutely powerless. There's nothing he can do except trick us, lie to us, whisper and get us to agree, deceive us. And he's known as the liar and the deceiver and the destroyer. He hates everything that brings life. He hates love. So how do we get distant from the Lord? Whenever we have a, 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 an understanding that makes us fearful of God, makes us think that he's not good, you know, there, there's a good kind of fear of God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fear of a father who's going to punish and come home and in a capricious way, just start attacking without any reason. Anytime that the enemy can get us to agree that that's who God is, anything less than who God really is, then he has, he has been successful because what we will do, we will invest our enemy, our, our energy in whatever it takes to be safe relationally with another person. We do it in our marriages, we do it in our families, we do it with our friends. If all of a sudden a friend's no longer safe, what will we do? We'll bring distance. We, we have this all the time in marriage. You know, if all of a sudden uh, we're not safe in the relationship with our spouse, we will invest our energy, not in closeness, but in how much distance do I need to be able to feel safe in this relationship? And so we start investing in distance. That's one of the wonderful plans of the evil one. He wants to distance us from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when he can lie to us, when he can point to a circumstance and say, God did it, or God must not be good because he allowed it, or look at this, then all of a sudden we fall into a, a, a gray area of confusion. And he is he's the master magician, the switch and bait, the way in which he can just deceive us into thinking that God is anything other than good is a lie. 
So we have all of these. He goes on. Who could separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? We continue. Everything is impotent to hinder the omnipotent love of God. But I thought it was interesting as Paul is, is, is making his point and he's stating it over and over and over again. That's what you do with good repetition. You say the same thing, hoping that maybe sometime his readers will hear it, will finally get it. He says, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. I love this about Paul. He, 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 he realizes, you know, in the first century, there was a great persecution against the church. There's still a great persecution against the church. There is animosity toward God. The evil one wants to work everything against anti-relationship with the Father who loves us. So he includes it. You know, we, we look at what's happening in, in, in Revelation and the persecution of the church. We see the persecutions of people dying, <clears throat> being burned alive, being fed <laughs> in the arena at the Colosseum to lions, uh, being killed in all sorts of horrible ways because of their relationship with God. And it's like, <laughs> he takes an, a quote from the psalmist in Psalm 44. And he, and he quotes it and he says, we face death all day long. All day long we face death. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. Isaiah picks that up when he's talking about the suffering servant, which Jesus comes to fulfill in Isaiah 53. He suffers. And inasmuch as the world is still under the consequences of the fall, and, and the, the rule of the evil one, there are some bad stuff that happens to some good people. There's some really ugly stuff that happens. And Paul's not saying if you become a believer, guess what? Everything's going to be peachy dory. Everything's going to be so easy now that you're a believer. Isn't that all our experience? After we said yes to Jesus, we made varsity. Life was good. Everybody's making 250000 a year. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, no. The reality is nothing can touch the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You take the worst circumstances on planet Earth, and I know some horrible, horrible circumstances that fellow believers have gone through but nothing can separate us from his love. That's why those who give their life for Christ, there is, there is something of a revelation that nothing can separate me from the love of the anointed one. Even as you separate my head from my shoulders, there's nothing that can separate his love from me. There's nothing that can separate his love. And that's why the enemy always will appeal to fear and try to get us anxious into believing that somehow his love is conditional. His love is not conditional. His love is absolutely, there's no power in the universe that can separate us from his love. 
We can be discouraged. We can believe wrong things. We can agree with wrong realities. That's just not true. And in so doing, we think that we're not. We can't. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So now... Oh yeah, he's made us more than conquerors. I love that. His demonstrated, <coughs> excuse, his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything, over everything. Our greatest fears, our, our insecurities, oh, his love. So what do we do now? We live with confidence. When we get this really inside of our spirit and it starts to minister from our heart to our head, and it gets there, then the enemy can't get away with the same shenanigans that he's been using to deceive us and to confuse us and to get us flipped upside down. He says, there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. We're convinced his love will triumph over, and then he makes the list. Over death, over life's troubles, over fallen angels, Do you realize that the the strongest principality in the kingdom of darkness cannot separate you from the love of God? The dark rulers in the heavens, our present circumstances, our future circumstances. There's no power above nor power beneath. There's no power in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love that he's lavished upon us. (laughs) In Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Ah. Lord, let that sink into our hearts. Let it go deep into our spirits where we have been made one with Christ. Cause us to know that we know that we know. I pray, Father, that our circumstances would stop determining our theology and that your truth and your word would be the basis of what we believe. We believe that you love. And we know, Lord, that there is difficulties in this life. But you've overcome them all. And your love has trumped them all. And you live to pray for us that we would live in triumph through them all. And we just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Amen. Okay, you've had two weeks of the love of God in Romans 8. Verses 19 through 39. 20 verses. I hope your cup runneth over. And that you're starting to believe the too good to be true good news that's absolutely true absolutely true now if you still need prayer I want to give you an opportunity to do that the worship team is going to come and play this last song and, and if, if you have need for prayer while we're singing this song just make, make your way up to the front we'll be happy to, to pray with you I know we've already had a lot of ministry but now as, as you've heard the word there may be some other things that have gotten stirred up that you realize, you know, I need to get prayer about that. I need to come before the Lord and present myself to the Lord. 
So feel free to do that. We'll be happy to pray with you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.